What's up, guys? Faruqi Bros here. This is podcast number 21. And today we got a special guest back for round two. It's none other than Clay Enos. Hello, everyone. And just to introduce all of us one more time, uh, I'm your host and editor-in-chief, Shiraz Faruqi, and I'm joined by my brother, Zayan. What's up, guys? My cousin, Umar. Hey, everyone. And my other cousin, Samir. What's up? So we got Clay Enos back in the house with us. And if you guys don't know, our first guest ever on the podcast, which was one year ago, basically today, last February, was Clay himself. So he's back here now, uh, 20 podcasts later, and we're going to have a, like a fun time discussing a variety of topics. Uh, so you guys- I'll start it off, Clay. Uh, just tell the audience how you've been these last few months. Uh, how's everything going with you? Well, things are really good. You know, we finished up Wonder Woman 1984 at the end of last year, and then I've just been sort of, you know, after a film of that length, it's always nice to kind of recuperate and and uh, fill your mind with other inputs other than, uh, you know, Wonder Woman or, or whatever, the film crew. And uh, that's what I've been doing. Got a little time in Mexico, got a little time in Saudi Arabia, actually. And uh, and now just looking forward to this year and seeing, you know, put the feelers out for projects. It, so- it is as, as exciting as a lot of that sounds, I'm still a freelance photographer, so I'm always sort of on the hunt for... For work in the future nice nice and you know actually just following up on that like how you know you've traveled to so many places around the world and you've seen so many different cultures and identities especially in your photography which definitely shines through like different faces from around the world how is that experience like just immersing yourself in different cultures well you know i, I ever since i can remember I, i've been a traveler right and so so getting on the road and and, and put my thumb out in some instances and seeing where it would take me has been a very natural, uh, you know, state for me. And 30, 30 plus years of doing it like that, just about, uh, I it's hard for me to be to think about doing or living a life without that. You know, that where uh, just making sure the passport's up to date and uh, get the extra pages in it, and off we go. Part of part of the joy of, of being an Earthling these days is the ease with which we can travel, provided you can afford it. And, and uh, it's really quite something, 24 hours anywhere on Earth. Nice, nice. Yeah, definitely. That's That must be so amazing just to ha- be able to experience all these amazing things around the world. Um, so before we get into like the big topics, um, that's, this is a fun one that a lot of people have been discussing. So um, what did you think about the Oscars? Um, did you catch it? Do you have any opinions on how it went? I, I actually didn't catch it because I don't own a television. But, but, you know, I, I popped into Twitter at one point or some friends were, were sending us uh, their feelings about Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's performance because I, I worked on uh, Star is Born. And, uh, you know, I, the Oscars, like so much, you know, that caps off a month of whatever they call it, awards season. is a, It's always a coup for the industry to, to sort of capture mind share and get people talking about the movies. Yeah. I don't. I don't get into the politics, nor the nor the sort of celebrity fandom on that front. It, it was nice to see colleagues win, <laughs> and uh, and and all doubled up. So that that's part of the fun for me. It's more of an insider look uh, than it is any kind of. I'm not rooting for or against anyone. Definitely. Speaking of uh, a star is born. Um, how was that experience specifically in terms of working on that film? Well, I, I mean, it was super different in the, on the sense that I'm used to working on these superhero films, right? So 
So it was over before it started on some level, you know, it was a short, a short amount of filming in terms of days, close to a third of what I'm used to on the big budget, uh, superhero stuff. And, and also just a very different content, you know, much more emotionally charged, uh, performances where it was, it's always a little awkward to be the still photographer on set and more so when, when scenes are highly charged. So, uh, it was, it was definitely different. It, by the end of it, I was ready for, for something to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody in a cape has saved me. Did you get, did you get a chance to uh, watch Aquaman? You know, what did you think of it? I did. It was quite something. I mean, boy, they weren't, they weren't pulling any punches. It's a little something for everyone in that thing. Um, I, I don't know if I would, I look, it's hard for me to separate Jason Momoa from he's just so awesome as a person that it's just a treat to watch him do his thing. You know, I, I don't Aquaman or whatever. It's Jason Momoa up there doing his thing. And, and, and he's such a bundle of energy. Even watching him, I saw a little clip of him announcing the award winner for best documentary and watching him throw his fist in the air with all the sort of unencumbered enthusiasm of the guy I know was a treat. And that's uh, to watch him on film for two hours plus is is isn't going to diminish you know I, I, in terms of narrative structure all the, the comic book stuff that's out of my league he's awesome oh nice and actually uh between actually our last podcast and now and you probably saw it on vero but we actually the four of us met uh jason at new york comic-con in october and we had a great time he actually the fun thing about the story is that you know normally when you're doing like uh a uh, quick, quick uh, meetup and picture. It's like a one second thing. You come in, hi, picture, and you leave. But uh, the second we walked in, Jason took one look at us and he said, "Like you know, how he's very, you know, he's very eccentric." And he's like, "Oh yeah, a comic book debate, right?" And then he uh, took us to the side. Actually, he stopped like the photography uh, of of the normal picture that had been taken, and he took us to the side and he told us about the movie and how excited he is for it and all these different things that he wants us. To kind of get pumped as well, so uh, just meeting him in person, like you're hundred percent right, the sense of larger than life uh, personality, you know, and uh, yeah, so definitely agree that he's he's that bundle of joy that you're talking about. Yeah, and for me to sort of say, so if I took issue with the film, that is sort of irrelevant because because he's too good, like he's too good for me to to worry about. I just really like Jason. I think he's um, a top notch person. We need more of that in the world. Someone so refreshingly enthusiastic about what he believes in and what he loves, and uh, you know that he should be in, you know, inspiring to all of us on that front. It, I mean, it'd be nice if we were all six foot five and built like a house. We might get a, we might get away being like that more often, but uh, oh, and then a handsome devil to boot, but <laughs> win some, lose some. <laughs> nice. So uh, we'll just quickly segue out of the superhero stuff and kind of get into your next big project. So uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, just give me one second. For, the, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Playinos is basically heading to Nashville and he's hosting a two-day photography seminar. And it's basically a photography seminar and a portrait workshop. And basically, those dates are March 16 and 17. So, Clay, I will just kind of give the floor to you. 
and just what do you want the audience to know about this project? Uh, any details that I'm missing right now that you want the audience to know what they want to take away? Floor is yours, man. Well, I guess the, the, the background to that is I, some of my most formative learning experiences were spending time with photographers whose work I admired. And I want to give that opportunity to folks, uh, you know, similarly. So I'm cho I chose Nashville because there's a studio down there that I'm familiar with um, and that's owned by a friend. So I just thought, well, why not share the love and, and find a place that's kind of neutral territory and, and uh, a fun town that people might want to come to visit anyway and spend two days kind of sharing my work, sharing stories, try and, try and give photographers and or just enthusiasts some insight into maybe how to make better, more, more uh, significant work in their lives. And portraiture, of course, is a, is a part of my work, but we'll also touch on, you know, travel photography and just making images with sort of new or deeper intention. And, and since we're in a time where photography is incredibly accessible and popular among so many people, I thought, let's have a, let's, let me do what always inspired me in the past is, is share directly and to keep it intimate and to have some hands-on time uh, walking through the making of some imagery. And uh, I think we're going to have a few characters to photograph. We've got some, uh, the, some cosplayers, I think, uh, a Batman and a Flash, as well as some models and other characters from Nashville to kind of show up and 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 be photographed by by me and others. So it's going to be it's that it's that kind of thing, just to kind of get back to give back what was always inspiring to me. And you know, Barrow's been super cool. They've made it incredibly affordable. There's a there's a fair amount of expenses throwing something like this, and Barrow's essentially taken care of that for us and we've been able to reduce the price to super super affordable uh fee for something that that i'm hoping is highly valuable to photographers and, and enthusiasts alike nice so yeah definitely um so as we know there's only 15 spots available so this is like a pretty exclusive club and like a once in a lifetime opportunity and obviously whoever attends will have some notions of what they want to get out of the seminar but for you is there anything you hope that the attendees will take out of it? Well, I, well, I mean, I would think it'd be really nice if they walked away with maybe one or two pictures that they were proud of, but also just that, that they can go away with skills that are applicable from that point forward, right? There's, photography is, is an art form that requires certain headspace, and I think most of us get enamored with the gear or with the... Uh, some of the technical aspects of that art form and forget that it is also sort of a deeply psychological experience and, and, and to engage that part of our minds in the production of, of imagery. And I think with, when you combine the two, you're, you're more likely to get work that, that satisfies you, but also resonates with an audience. So, you know, at the, at the risk of sort of getting way off the deep end uh, too fast, I just want people to come away feeling like they've learned a lot and are better photographers as a result. Right. You touched on the uh, like the accessibility of photography. Um, what impact do you think smartphones kind of play into that with, with Snapchat and other resources, other resources that people can use to kind of show their photography skills? Like, like in terms of everyone now really thinks they're a photographer, but you can s very clearly see the difference between 
like a professional and someone just taking pictures. Yeah, and I'd like to sort of bring people up, right? And so that that the 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 cell phone is sort of all in one, right? It is a camera. It's a dark room if you choose to make it so, and it's a potential worldwide gallery. So in this one device, you've satisfied all of the challenges that used to be presented as independent silos for any given photographer. And you mesh them into one, and, and, and the gallery aspect is, is sort of bananas, right? From the Snapchats to the Barrows of the world, there, there's any number of, of places to share your work. And, and what I think has happened is that middle bit, that, that, that sorry, what I, it's sort of like you have the camera, and then you decide all you want to do is reach an audience. And you've forgotten all of the meat in the middle, which is to sort of take be attentive when you're taking the picture. Pay attention to composition and exposure and explore the environments. And then maybe the image isn't done when you just snap it, but give it a little love and further it along your vision uh, and then share it. And so I, I'm excited that this stuff is in our hands and accessible and affordable. And I want to help people to you know, sort of improve that middle area. And as a result, they'll have maybe a better reception at the gallery side of it. Definitely. Like, I mean, in the end, sorry to keep going, but in the end, like we're all artists when we're children, right? We're all in art classes in grammar school. We're finger painters. We're, we're displayed artists, even if it's just our parents' refrigerator, right? But, and, and for whatever reason, when we grow up, that stuff falls away, that the pressures of the marketplace, the demands of a job, uh, just, you know, not feeling encouraged as an artist, we leave it behind. And for some reason, photography invites a lot of us back. It's like finger painting for adults. And it, and it lets us be artists again. And, and why not have a little instruction? Why not be a little more intentional in your efforts to make pictures and be creative again? Uh, I think it's awesome. Let's, let's all be photographers and let's all be good photographers. Well, well said, man. Well said. Definitely. So, do you have a plan on bringing this workshop to other cities like uh, New York or LA in the future? You know, I mean, it's it's something we're gonna. It's a bit of an experiment. It's a tricky thing, you know. It's a it's time consuming to put together and to organize and to drum up attention for it. Uh, I'm a natural sharer, so I would be happy to do it in other cities, but I can't promise it, just given scheduling conflicts and expenses, etc. Yeah. But but it's um let's see I, I can't commit right now this is a as you say maybe with slight hyperbole a once in a lifetime opportunity so yeah um definitely so you mentioned earlier that Vero very generously has you know helped your um, seminar to be lower in price and more accessible to uh, more people you know and obviously Vero is a very big part of your current work and part of the project as well can you tell us um, the decision making when making it a Vero exclusive registration? Well, look, it's on some level, it's kind of a natural thing. I'm a Vero ambassador, and that's all well and good. But they, they've made a real commitment to artists and to encouraging people's creativity and sharing it on their platform. It's, a, it's kind of a no-brainer to kind of keep it and to bring people into that platform and just reinforce that message. Uh, their their generosity is is amazing, of course, but it's 
it just makes sense to me. I'm, I'm increasingly sickened by what's going on elsewhere in the sort of data mining surveillance state that's emerging and, and piggy and sort of co-opting people's impulses to share. Vero honors the impulse to share and the people doing it. And instead of turning it into some sort of, you know, ad dollar disaster area. And so I, it just made sense to me. I, I might be slightly on the forefront of that, but I think eventually everyone will come and why not, why not be there to welcome them? And, Definitely. and you mentioned, uh, you know, how Vera helped with the price point a little bit and they made things more affordable, but in general, like what made you guys come to that price point? Like, uh, I'm seeing it says like, you know, $500, like that's a really good deal for, you know, like a bang for your buck kind of thing. So what kind of led to deciding on price point? Is this like a standard thing for photographers or is something you kind of make as you go along? Yeah, well, you know, you have expenses attached to, to renting a studio and, and getting there and and uh, paying for models and, and, and people's time. And so, and then you have to make it worthwhile for yourself. And so they they were you know in working together we just thought that was a super good deal i've never seen a seminar a two-day seminar for that price in all my days of uh you know taking seminars or looking at other people's efforts so it just it was seemed like an unbelievable deal and and i was super excited to be able to share it and it all came together rather informally and fast uh thanks to Eamon hariri and his and you know and his largesse but also his vision Nice. And uh, I guess we'll just give the information one more time to our audience. Uh, special workshop by Clay Enos in Nashville, two-day photography seminar and portrait workshop. It's going to be March 16 and 17. So if you're in the area or you can make that travel, it's, I would definitely encourage it. Uh, and Clay, any last things you want to say about this topic, about this uh, seminar? Well, look, I, I don't think anyone will be disappointed who attends. I think we're, and it's because of the intimate nature of it, we're really going to have a lot of conversations and uh, opportunities to make and look at images. Uh, so it, 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 to me, it's the dream way to learn. Awesome. Awesome. And also for the audience, um, there's only 15 spots. So, and it's, like we said earlier, exclusive registration on Vero. So definitely get on there if you want to check it out and, if you're considering to um, register. It's so, super easy. It's like buy now, Apple Pay. Yeah, it's easy now, yeah. <laughs> so let's just shift back to DC again. You know, um, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you just recently finished wrapping up on Wonder Woman 84. Um, how's that experience been? And can you speak on any of like the reshoots or the delay in the release date? I, I don't think, yeah, I mean, I, I'm technically... I think you should all just take any rumors like that with a grain of salt. Reshoots are not a, a reflection of that, of like something going wrong. More often than not, it's to flesh out certain ideas that maybe didn't happen because, you know, the sun set on a day that went sideways. This isn't, reshoots are not like this, this, uh, you know, harbinger of, 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 something going terribly sideways right it's a it's a very normal part of the filmmaking process and, and i don't know the date i think was just to get a better date and and it does it gives everybody breathing room why not I mean, it's a giant project why are you gonna rush it 
but I, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm a still photographer. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, I, but I have enough experience to know that there's nothing to worry about. I was, everyone was like a giant sigh of relief on set when the date moved. Nice. And I think, wasn't it, wasn't it, wasn't also like, isn't the Batman going to be right in there too? So Warner Brothers wouldn't want to just double up on films in the same month like that, but they might spread them out, give them a chance. Yeah, I think, yeah, they wanted to move it a little bit. Uh, originally, it was supposed to come out this year, I think, and yeah. they just moved it one year more just to... Uh, just yeah, to and, and a few months, and what's likely happening, you know, it's not like they're going to... The film will probably get finished towards the end of this year, the beginning of 20... or, or whatever the heck it is, 2000... <laughs> what year is it? Right, <laughs> beginning talking, of next year. Yeah. And and uh, I still think it's the 80s at times, so don't... don't <laughs> I'm the worst. Anyway... They're just they're just making good business decisions all around, and I I haven't heard anything about Wonder Woman reshoots. But but if you do, don't fret. That's just totally normal. Some of the reshoots that happened for the last Wonder Woman just filled out and fleshed out scenes. You know, they, it was totally totally normal. I I haven't heard of a film of that scale and magnitude in recent years that hasn't had reshoots. It's just there to do to make it better. Fair. We might we might make exceptions with Justice League. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. That's the big one. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I think that's the PTSD for. for <laughs> you're right. You're right. Don't let don't let the Justice League reshoots sour you on reshoots. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was it like uh, reuniting with uh, with Patty Jenkins and, and Gal again? Awesome. You know, for one, I worked with Patty on her "I Am the Night," which is on TNC right now. So. It's it, I I've had a nice little run of working with Patty, and it's uh it's not just her, but a lot of the people around her. So it's it, it creates really a nice family. And Gal is always a treat. Goodness gracious! I mean, how do you not want to spend all your days with that woman? So, do you have any other DC projects on the horizon? You know, there's there's they're getting announced in the future. There, it's always a little hard. Timing is everything in life, and uh, my my priorities have, have been always quite plain to work with Zach and to, and to keep that loyalty first and foremost. And that may take me out of the you know, take me out of some DC opportunities, but that's okay. You know, as his career develops and moves, as he does things with Netflix, I'm keen to, to, to show my loyalties before I am to uh, just look to the bottom dollar. Well said. So um, let's jump into some of like the big DC news that dropped recently. Um, I know many of us knew the writing was on the wall, but now it's finally official that um, Ben Affleck has left the role of Batman. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, again, just like Jason, Ben is somebody I know as a person, and I think of him as, a, as an actor before I do as Batman, and I've done work for his nonprofit, and I just want to make sure he's good. Like, he... He's he's obviously struggling from from you know if you read the tabloids and some of the other press and so my, my concerns are just that he works out his demons and and uh, Batman's been played by a lot of people in the past and be played played by a, a lot of people in the future and let's just embrace that sure that chain is hard to replace but but other new qualities of the next Batman will will also shine and and we have to keep in mind that that Batman is a is a symbol. And, and who embodies him as an actor is is always going to be changing. Let's not get too. Let's worry. Let's take care of Ben Affleck, and he should do what he needs to do. 
Yeah, definitely. Honestly, I mean, we're we're it's a it's a business. I get it. We have we're fans, and we're of various ages, and we we connect with characters, and it's emotional. But when when it's all said and done, Ben Affleck is a is a person and who's who's making choices that hopefully serve his needs, and I need to respect that. Well said. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know we can all agree that um, Ben's performance as Batman was might have been the greatest in live action that we've seen, and you know we wish him well in all his future projects. But on that, like you mentioned, you know how the man of the cow is always changing, and how the character is greater than the actor because more last long everlasting. But for you personally, do you have anybody in mind that you would like to take up the cow? Well, I don't. I don't actually, and I guess Deadshot's going to get replaced too. So, yeah, so it's a true, whole yeah. lot of fun. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to be as like I'd like to be in the casting offices of Warner Brothers. That must be a real fun place, right? His <laughs> names get bandied about. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm bad with every actor's names, so I, I couldn't tell you. I'm sure they'll find somebody cool <laughs> and appropriate. And and you know what'll happen? Some people will be so excited and other people are going to hate it, just like every other time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> History repeats itself with these things, you know. Uh, the, nice the, thing is, the nice thing is it's always Batman, right? Like you're, you're still going to have your Batman. They're not going to like – Bruce Wayne's not going to become a spoiled brat who whines, right? That's what we should be happy about. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, while we're staying on kind of topic of – potential exits and re recasts. Uh, there's been some rumors uh, that Henry Cavill might also be on the way out as Superman. What are your kind of raw thoughts on that? I know this is not as much confirmed, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, look, I don't, I don't, I don't separate, like, Henry as an actor and as a gentleman that he's always been to me, you want the best for him. And if they've chosen, if they've chosen to take it in another direction, clearly WB has got kind of a bizarre approach to this effort um i wouldn't I, it's hard to second guess or even speculate what what is going on over there and and all the different cooks that are must be you know trying to contribute uh, it's a hard one look you have an opportunity let's let's say they decide to just clean house sure that may, maybe that makes sense it's and that's it would sort of stink for certain people who are anticipating uh, more work, but you know, they're in the end, they're actors and they'll, they'll find other work. It's hard. I don't, I don't, I don't sort of, you guys are much more in the comic book world and these, and these movies are, are functioning differently for you than for me. And, and it's a little hard for me to separate just the, the, the colleagues, my work colleagues and look, Hollywood is a fickle friend. Everyone knows that. I don't count on the job until I'm pretty much on the ground. Uh, so for, for and it should be the same for actors and and everyone up and down the line. So uh, do you still keep in touch with the actors personally from time to time? You know, Ray Fisher and I were emailing recently. I I go on occasion, but you know they're. They run in a very different world than I do for all kinds of reasons. And they have a different set of priorities and stuff. So I try to keep it professional and cordial and, and, and keep my correspondence to, uh, 
congratulations <laughs> when, when it's due. Speaking of Ray Fisher, <laughs> um, there is uh, obviously still uh, a lot of fans and um, almost like in the comic book, comic book world at least a lot of people that are still uh that still want the snyder cut of justice league um do you feel like there is still a chance for that to specifically release i i do not know like that is so outside of look just the logistics of that are really difficult just because what is it then? Is it a different theatrical release? And then what does that mean for royalty checks for the hundred, you know, for the 200 actors who participated in it? Like it is just a, a complete mess on so many fronts. Does it, does it get a different IMDB, you know, and, and because each of those things, the credits become, have huge consequence financially. And so it, you know, my observation is that this business makes anything like that incredibly unlikely and, and complicated. That said, if there's a sufficient box office allure, they'll figure it out. I mean, there's there's probably something pretty close to ready out there that, that, that you know, with a throw another 20, 30 million and you could maybe see hundreds come from it. I, it's a hard one. But, but consider that it isn't just like, oh, hey, you know, throw it on YouTube, right? This, this, there's massive financial consequence to doing something like that. And, and that, that sours my optimism, though I do remain optimistic. I would love for something like that to happen if it exists. And do you feel like this is something that with time it gets more plausible or with time it gets less plausible because like, let's say exactly one year ago, you were on our podcast and we discussed uh, the Snyder cut back then in February of 2018. Right. And now that we're in 19, obviously so much has changed. A lot of actors have exited kind of the internally what's going on at WB in terms of who's uh, the leadership there has also shifted. And so you have guys like Jason Moe publicly. Yeah. Asking for the Snyder so cut. in know. your opinion, like, does yeah, the let's, length and, of time like, change what, it? Let's let's run it forward like five years. AT and T is like some giant behemoth. They make ninety percent of their revenue selling iPhones. They have this little division <laughs> that makes movies, right? It, like yeah. the world could be so different in five years, and they'd be like, well, let's hey, let's just throw this on our streaming service." Yeah, and whatever you know, I, I, it, it is too hard to predict the future. I just think that that. Keeping up demand, look, this this is going to go down in film history, right? As some sort of, it's a it's a terrible wrong that can be righted, right? Creatively, yeah. but what culture has to emerge for that to happen is is something we need to work towards, right? We need to prioritize uh, the the sort of auteur filmmaker world. And, and that hasn't been of late. So all of us need to support films that have the auteur's mark on them and not say just giant studio support or whatever. And that's today. And, and it's not to say that those that they don't make bad ones, but, but let's move gradually towards a world where, where the bottom line and the box office isn't the headline. 
a lot of these fans, you know, they have their um their campaign with the Snyder Cut, and they're always trying different things, calling, emailing. You know, what would you say is the best course of action for them at this point? Uh, support films that hold those same ideals, right? You, you and, and what, imagine if the marketplace suddenly just wants to see films that are the directors, you know, work so hard to create. And, and and the distribution systems honored that vision, they should, and if the world opens up and becomes that, then, then AT&T is going to wake up one day and be like, you know, we have one of those. <laughs> 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 hey, and, and it's, you know, so we'll see. But that's that's what I would say. Look, it, the hashtag is awesome. I, I'm always, I, I, every once in a while, I, I bandy it about, but it isn't, uh, and it, and it will it'll never go away, and nor should it. But I think ultimately the pro the real the real energy needs to be placed in supporting filmmakers and films that that hold those same ideals of the Snyder Cut. Uh, just speaking on that, actually, because there is you're saying about supporting specific films that uh, uh, embody kind of that ideal. There's actually a divide in the fandom in terms of uh, approach, where a certain group feels like. The key to the Snyder Cut is to, uh, I'm sure it's not the word boycott, but yes, but like not support any future films coming out of DC in order to kind of uh, push WB in that direction, while other fans feel like to keep supporting it. So where do you stand on that? I get it. Look, financial financial boycotts are are such a funny thing, and they have a history that runs, you know, it, it, they're as old as 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 commerce. They they win they they don't win they shift they don't shift I I'm gonna I'm don't feel comfortable weighing in one way or the other I'm simply saying the, another path to take is certainly more enjoyable it is to consume films that reflect your ideals if your ideal is a world where the Snyder Cut exists and is shown support films that is closely match that. And that way, you're you're satisfying instead of just being constantly frustrated until it's released. You're satisfying your 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 soul with work that that represents and idealizes that, right? Like go keep going to the movies for sure. Just be, but maybe choose carefully. Look around. Go spend your time in the indies, and and you know darn well the giant studios are going to notice. If everybody's suddenly interested in this, they're going to start making that. And as I say, they're sitting on one. Yeah, I think it's a tough. Uh, it's it's a tough that that um, vision for the world of uh, <laughs> not having the the financial uh, bottom line is tough because it's it's such a. I mean, we spoke about this last year. It's it's such a business, right? Like the interest of uh, the studio, especially with the the big superhero movies, it is is usually Look, the bottom yeah, man. Yeah, man. And we all get sucked in, right? It's kind of like it's the Instagram, Facebooks of the world. Everybody's just obsessed with the likes and the numbers and the metrics, and we all get sucked into the box office returns and who's number one. And we everything in our heart knows that doesn't really matter because if the movie's good or not, we know. Right, that we need it's a it's a long term play. Got a we got a lower time preference and really sort of shift the culture by how we consume. 
and and boycotting it's fine but you're gonna you know boycotting movies or whole studios then then you're then you're missing out and you're and that kind of kind of black or white approach to things is just ultimately you're gonna get proven wrong i'm afraid like it, it it's the world is ever evolving and we need to sh- and we have the ability to shift it in the direction we want it to go and you do that by acting not by not acting and not by not consuming i mean also like specifically when it comes to the snyder cut also like um the fans have kind of chosen to i mean i don't think you do um any favors to anybody by boycotting any of the future products projects that uh, yeah, like, like, on. like it wouldn't directly like if you were to somehow just boycott the next four or five movies that doesn't mean they're going to release the side of cut yeah and then when you finally like when you're finally so frustrated and you want to go see a movie and you're, you know and it's warner brothers movie you're gonna feel betrayed about it it's like it's like <laughs> i don't know it's it's i like that friend look at some point it's like a cultural movement it's a it's a community don't don't let go this hashtag should live and it should stand for something more than just a, a constant, you know, uh, hurt. But it should be a rallying cry for, for to support better films and to support films that have a have the story of independent, you know, artistic priorities. Anyway, I mean, I'm beating a dead horse there. This is all it's somewhat uncomfortable because. You know, if a friend of mine's film got butchered. Yeah, yeah exactly. So obviously the DCEU is going in a different direction. Uh, are you still interested in anything to come? Or Yeah, look, I'm, not, I'm a freelance photographer. But my loyalties lay with Zach. And, and in a perfect world, I just work with Zach. Yeah. I mean, in That's of, also a slightly idealistic world, too, to be fair. In terms of watching <laughs> the movies, uh, also. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm... I'm I'm a bad movie consumer in terms of going to the theater, but I I tend to pay attention to what rolls through my, you know, iTunes and and uh, and enjoy and enjoy these superhero movies as much as any maybe not as much as everyone but, but you know I went and saw Aquaman I'm gonna I'm I'm keen to see of course what Wonder Woman becomes and and this Batman looks fascinating or excuse me the Joker movie yeah so I'm I'm all about it yeah. So let's just yeah, and, and, I, and I don't. Again, you guys are like comic books. These comic book genre, this comic book genre, is absolutely incredible juggernaut uh, of storytelling and and audience allure. Uh, I don't see any end to it. I mean, I don't know if they saw an end to, to westerns back when those things were the, you know, the captivating everyone's Saturday matinees. So I don't see any end to these. So let's like transition out of the DC uh, world and let's get into kind of Zack Snyder and what he's working on. So uh, you, I know you expressed excitement about Zack uh, working on Army of the Dead with Netflix. And I know Zack himself is super excited about using the Netflix medium and really kind of uh, unleash. Uh, what uh, What's your level of excitement? Can you just kind of like let the audience know like the benefits of things like Netflix and uh, your basic reaction when you heard that Zack was going to be moving in this direction look i mean i i was i'm friends with Zach, so i knew there were when they were negotiating yeah um but to, to read the press release and stuff i think i shared the same excitement as everybody else 
yeah, like, like how, how awesome. And then hopefully I can be part of those things. They don't make decisions about still photographers, but a lot, lot closer to the film starting. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm as excited as anyone. And, and when you hear a person like Zach say that he's going to have, you know, he's going to go as hard as he's going to go, you can't help but be excited. That's awesome. And Army of the Dead, like, do you know anything you can tell us about it that hasn't already been told, little, like, tidbits, or is everything under I, lock and key? You know what? I don't know anything about it, actually. I, I honestly don't. I don't. I'm, uh, I'm as excited as anybody. I, I mean, it, it's, um, yeah, zombies, dude. Like, let's go back to the roots. You know, yeah. was, I own a mask, a Halloween mask that, that was used on Dawn of the Dead, and I can... I can tell you it is the single worst Halloween costume I've ever worn because when I have it on, no one wants to talk to me. It's so revolting. <laughs> <laughs> and so I look forward to having a, a, another one, maybe a little softer. <laughs> All right, so, and there's other projects we've been hearing that Zach's been working on that's been kind of floating, but like we haven't heard anything from the press itself, like the Fountainhead and things like that. Do you know anything about what's going on there or is it kind of... Again, kind of need to know basis. I mean, I know you probably know a lot more, but like in terms of what you can share. Well, uh, look, I would only say that every every filmmaker has a number of projects that they're always working on, right? Especially a guy at his level. It, it's important to keep creative options and juices flowing, and so you ha you always have in any production company projects in in various stages of development. So it only makes sense that he'd have a similar a similar set of projects, and the Fountainhead, of course, is is would be a magnificent thing to explore in film than than anyone other than the little headlines and stuff that I could that I feel comfortable talking to you guys about, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. no things. I'm a friend of that. of course, of course. <laughs> but, I, but we got to keep it. You know, this is a delicate thing. This world is so funny that they'll twist any bitter, you know, some utterance out of my mouth and twist it to, to say what they want to say. And I'm not comfortable with that happening. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, but, so... But no, that any, any creative person at his level, any production company has, has a dozen projects in the works. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about that, um, how Zach's production company, Cool and Usual Films, is now Stone Quarry, you know. Um, what brought about that change? Was it just time to rebrand or is there something more to it? I, I don't know much about it. I, I don't, I just know that it happened and that's, that's kind of fun, right? That's a nice, the stone quarry I presume is a reference to the fountainhead and, uh, and yeah, good for them. Like awesome. I don't know much. I don't know much. I like the patch they made. That was pretty cool. Definitely. It's a cool design. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, look, you know, all that stuff is, he's a creative person. It's a creative team. And so, so changing the name of your company is going to offer a whole bunch of opportunities to explore new aesthetics. And, and why not? What a good time that is. I mean, we all did it. We all do it with any creative thing. You know, you come up when we had our fake rock bands, air guitar bands in our basements, and we had logos for our bands and stuff. It's, it doesn't change as we get older. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's well said. And, and you like again about Stone Quarry, like you said, you don't know much about it, but like in terms of – what kind of brought about that change? Was it like a certain mentality well, I presume, change? I, a complete presumption on my part that, that going over to Netflix just offered an opportunity to create a new business structure and a new kind of new, just to kind of slough off what, what was and, and uh, start fresh. 
Nice. Oh my yeah, God. You're gonna, you know, you can change, you can change stationery, you can change an address, and why not change the whole name? <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as as much as we're all fans of Jack Snyder, we also uh, we also care about the guy. How how's he been? How, how how's his spirit? Oh, he's good. He's he's a creative he's a creative mind. Him and his, his wife Deborah. I mean, everybody's okay. Yeah, like they're excited. They're excited to make films. And I'm, and I'm, you know, fingers crossed can be part of that. No, I'm sure you're, you and Zach are kind of like a team, so he'll, he'll definitely go for you when the time comes. Yeah, you know, sometimes I, I like to think that, but you know, the fact is he lives, they live far away and I'm in New York and they're in Los Angeles and it's always a treat when I get to go out there and, and the creative energy that's flowing through that house is so, so infectious. I, I sometimes wish I lived out there and I could, I could be part of that energy all the time. Hey. Well, of course, part of it maybe is that it's a, I only get it once in a while, so I get this giant injection. <laughs> no, that, that does sound amazing. And actually, speaking on that, like your roots with New York, it goes back, right? Can you speak on your relationship with the city? Well, like I was born here and uh, at the hospital that you're going to be helping out. And so, uh, yeah, this is, this is my home base. So do you feel like you're ever going to have a new home base, or is New York kind of the way you want to be, like, uh, yeah, New York's a, yeah, New York's pretty awesome. It's got three airports come and go, and and it's in the it's a, it's a center of the world for a lot of people, and I won't argue with it. <laughs> so uh, let's take I'm gonna take a quick second to talk about kind of for audience our project coming up. I know Clay, you just alluded to it, and before actually I get into it, I want to thank you, Clay, personally for donating. Uh, you've actually helped us for both these charities, for our Black Panther charity last year, and then for uh, this hospital one. You've been very generous. And we appreciate that, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to support you guys. I, and I, you know, the idea of just a bunch of children being gifted toys with the characters that, that I've helped sort of bring to life uh, in my little way in the hospital in which, where I was born, how could I not help out? And I, and I love that you guys just have made charity such a cornerstone of your efforts. So I, how could I, I applaud that. Thank you, man. Thank you. We appreciate Definitely that. We appreciate it. And just letting our audience know kind of uh, what we were doing. If you haven't seen it on, um, if you haven't seen it on our social media posts, we've been kind of pushing it. But uh, you know, one year ago we did the Black Panther challenge, and this year we want to be. We're going to be working directly with uh, New York Presbyterian uh, Kids Hospital, Morgan Stanley, and. Uh, for this project, it's been actually in the works for a couple of months. The four of us have been kind of talking about it and how we're going to go about it. And I've been talking to the hospital, and they're really excited about it. And uh, with the goal of $2,000, which is what we put out the GoFundMe for, uh, the idea is we're going to get a toy to literally every single kid currently residing as and uh, actually in excess amounts. So the people who are kind of in and out during that week will also get something uh, for them as well. And not only that, if you guys know, we were we hosted the comic book debate workshop uh, last summer with schools in the Bronx and in Queens, and we're actually going to be bringing a special workshop just for the kids on April twenty third. So April twenty third, we're gonna the four of us we're gonna show up. We're gonna kind of give out the toys live uh, to as many kids as possible, and then the rest who are inside the their individual rooms, the staff will give out, of course, and then. Uh, for families and for siblings and for who are, and for the kids who are able, uh, they're going to come and attend this workshop we're holding in the hospital where we're going to kind of let their imaginations run wild with superheroes. 
Uh, they're going to create their own little superheroes, and we're going to talk about their favorite ones. And the assortment of toys we're going to get them will be, you know, your Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, you know, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Iron Man, Black, Black Panther. Panther. So there's a, there's a whole thing going here, and we're very excited for it. So um, if you're going to be watching this on YouTube, there's going to be a link in the description to uh, our uh, GoFundMe link. So definitely share it uh, in whatever little you can donate. If you can't donate, if you just share it. Uh, it goes a long way, so I uh, really appreciate it as well. So, Clay, anything you want to kind of tell the audience, any kind of words of encouragement? Uh, you know, you, you're, you're, one thing we always talk about you is that you really know how to kind of put words into, you know, uh, into power in a sense. And when you speak, it's like you're giving a lot of like, inspiration and encouragement. Like even when you're talking about photography, the way you did it was very, uh, was great. So anything you want to tell our audience, especially the DCEU fan base, and you know how uh, you know how riled up they can get sometimes. So anything you want to say to them? Look, I, I think you continue to follow your passions. And as I tell this to even graduating students in photography, that you're you're always filled with passion. Passion is sort of our first impulse, especially when it's stuff we, we care about by definition. But but you need to not forget about perseverance and patience and those two things. You know, they all sort of braid together as we go forward. So don't lose your passion, but but weave in some patience and perseverance and, and let that guide you. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. All right, Clay, thank you so much, man, for being on our podcast for the second time. Thank you. Honestly, man. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's an open-door policy for you, man. So anytime you want to come by, uh, we'll graciously accept that. <laughs> oh, very kind, gentlemen. And uh, I, I always like seeing your... Um, your smiling faces on Vero, and I look forward to continuing. <laughs> you have to give it, you have to give us credit, man. We're trying to smile a little more. <laughs> awesome, gentlemen. Look, I, I look forward to seeing your feeds and seeing you in my feed as as uh, the days go forward. And thank so you. So, from myself, from Zayan, from Umar, and from Samir, and from Clay Enos himself, uh, this is Comic Book Debate. We'll see you next time. Peace out. <laughs>